You're listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. This episode... We're working from the early draft in Fab Facts. Could there be peace at last in the randomizer? And Nickabadzis is back, and better than ever. And badder, I suspect. We're turning things around. It's pod 180! Podcast Anderson Jerry, the of... Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson and Richard James. Hello. Hello. I'm Jamie. Uh, <laughs> I'm Richard. Uh, my family name is Anderson. Oh. What's your family name? Yep. James. Oh, that's weird, isn't it? Which is actually my, the name on my birth certificate. James, not... Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm technically James I Anderson. See. Anyway, look, yes. uh, okay. we're here. Mm-hmm. It's the Jerry Anderson podcast. Most people oh, yes. call us Jamie Anderson and Richard James, but you can separate <laughs> yeah. the names if you want. And sat over there oh, with some very what? old-fashioned... Uh, um, uh, outfit on and yes. writing with a, a quill. Yeah, that's right. Yes, is and is Chris Dale. That's very strange, isn't it? With the sort of lamp next to him. Yeah, he's it's... writing in a big sort of ledger. Or oh, hang on, he's got a sort of a one of those sort of nightcap. He's got a nightcap on and a, a nightshirt as well. That's very strange. Very Scroogey. Oh, yes. uh, I ah. know what it is. Oh yes, because he's doing that play, isn't he? Is he? Yeah, yeah, he's doing that Dickens adaptation. Is um, he? At the, uh, at the Swindon the Christmas... thingy, you know. Oh, Christmas Carol. Yes. Is he? Yes. I had no idea. There's nobody scroogier than Chris Dale. That's what they well, say. That's what they say. Yes. So, yeah, old, old Chris Ebenezer. He's obviously, oh. you know, he's method, isn't he? Oh, very. Yes, very much so. so yes. Well, let's yes, hope we don't get on the wrong end of Chris Scrooge Dale. Mm, humbug. Anyway, when Chris has finished uh, getting into character, he'll be here later on for the randomizer where he picks a random oh, yes. episode of a Jerry Anson show, mm-hmm. which is the Potsteron's favourite part of the podcast, I would say. Fair enough. However, yeah. there's plenty more good stuff to come. And Richard James, I would like you to list it all right now. Uh, yes, of course. Well, uh, coming up uh, any moment now, of course, we have Fab Facts presented by my colleague, uh, Mr. Jamie Anderson. Hello. Uh, we then have some news from the Jerry Anderson universe, of course, uh, followed by the second part of Jamie's interview with uh, Nick Abadsis, artist extraordinaire. Mm. And in amongst all that, we're going to be uh, handing over to our wonderful Podstrons. Look, we're at episode 180, pod 180, 180 pods. And I thought, well, perhaps now is a good time to stand back take a bit of a breather and let our lovely podsterons shine so over on our facebook group i posted a little earlier on what do you think for example of the new audio range or are you looking forward to the documentary that we've been talking about or have you yet booked your tickets for the concert in april next year or do you just love being a podstron let me know what you're looking forward to or why you love being a part of this fantastic community and they answered in their droves oh good and i'll be reading sum them out as we go along can't wait looking forward to that yeah brilliant yeah. uh well while we prepare to hear from our lovely posturons can i yes. distract you temporarily with a factus fabus right that's a, a fab fact i was just 
being 180 and Latin or something. Okay. Anyway, uh, yeah. let's just do Fab Facts. Let's just do that. Now, time for this week's Fab Facts. It's Fab Facts, or mm. Factors Fabus, possibly. Yes. Uh, probably mm. not that ever again. Uh, I've got a book yeah. of Fab Facts. It's full of Fab Facts, essentially, and I flick through it. Richard Chats Fab, and that'll stop me flicking, and then we hopefully land upon a, a Fab Fact on one of the pages. Richard, are you ready with your Fab? Born ready. Okay, I'm just warming up my thumb. Oh, yeah. That's it. Good, good. Let's hope yeah. for a good one. Here we go. Oh, where are you putting it? Oh, I see. <laughs> just, yep. just water drying it off. Here we go. I see. Fab! Uh, uh, oh. What? Well, it's certainly a fab fact. Okay, good. But it's quite long. Oh, okay, go so, on then. That gives me a rest. If you're all sitting comfortably, <laughs> yeah. then let me begin. Richard, does the name Mark Mackinlock mean anything to you? Uh, Mark Mackinlock? How about if I pronounce no. it differently and say Mark McKinlock? Does that mean anything to you? Oh, Mark McKinlock? No. No, I didn't think so. No. Uh, Simon Hayes? Simon Hayes, no. I went to a school with a Simon Hayes, but it's not this one. No, okay. okay. Um, how about the name Fred Freiberger? Fred Fre- Eh? Mm, yes. Yes, well, of course. we've spoken at great length about Fred Freiberger, and mm-hmm. maybe not such glowing terms, particularly because it was his plans to overhaul the regular cast of Space 1999 at the beginning of the show's second season that made him yes. rather unpopular amongst fans. Yes. Not a personal slight on dear old Freddy, but um, yeah, maybe a slight slight on year two of Space 1999, yes. Anyway, basically, yes. his original plan was to get rid of everybody except for Martin Landau as Commander Koenig and Barbara Bain mm-hmm. as Dr. Russell. Mm. So the character that replaced Paul Morrow was originally going to be named Simon Hayes. Oh. While Mark McKinlock, or Mackinlock, was the name of the planned replacement for Alan Carter. Oh! Poor so he's not, even a, he's not even a real person? No. No. Oh, so it doesn't matter how we say his name. And no, that's true. But He's not going to be offended. I'd still like to get it right if I could, but I okay. don't know what's right. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Alan Carter, as you know, survived the second series of Space 1999, yep. thanks largely to the volume of fan mail that ITC received for Nick Tate. Yes. And Simon Hayes was renamed Tony Videshi. Aha. So we didn't hear from either Mark or Simon on television. But in the year two novelizations written by Michael Butterworth, it was a different story. Because Michael was working from draft scripts for several of the early episodes, Simon Hayes and Eagle pilot Mark McKinlock, McKinlock did sometimes yeah. turn up in the books in place of Tony and Alan. Oh, great. It often happens with TV tie-in novels published early in the show's life. Uh, publishers want their books on the shelves in time for the launch of the series, so the writer might not yeah. have had a chance to see the show and familiarise themselves before they set pen to paper. Yeah. The three Space Precinct novels by David Bischoff are a good example. Where yes, all David yes. had to work from was one episode and a pile of scripts. And as a result, his books don't uh, perfectly reflect mm. the content of the show, do they? Yeah. Well, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. They're just a, yeah. a bit of a different iteration. Yeah. Well, anyway, it was much the same for uh, Michael Butterworth. So if you read his adaptation of The Metamorph as published in the book Planets of Peril, Mm -hmm. Simon Hayes is second in command of Alpha and Mark McKinlock uh, was Mm -hmm. the chief eagle pilot. There's no mention of Tony or Alan until later in the book. Oh. In his adaptation of The Exiles, which was the second episode of the second season on television but appeared uh, in the third of Butterworth's books, The Space Jackers, Tony right. and Simon both appear together once or twice. 
Okay. So a bit of mix and match going on here. Yes. So it was kind of all over the place, but eventually Simon Hayes was phased out of the books in favour of Tony, as you might expect. Phased out, that's a bit ominous, isn't it? Yeah, phased out. Uh, In the case of Mark, though, Mm -hmm. having given him the title of Chief Eagle Pilot in the novelisation of The Metamorph, it was kind of noticeable that in subsequent stories, all the piloting work was done by either Alan Carter or Bill Fraser, (laughs) with Mark nowhere to be seen (laughs) right so since alan and bill are characters from the show uh you can't get rid of them meaning if any of the three were going to get the chop it was obviously going to be mark oh yeah so in his novelization of the episode the beta cloud butterworth replaced the doomed eagle pilot tom graham with mark mackinlock slash mckinlock taking advantage of a tidy way to dispose of an unnecessary character I like it. Now, you might say that's quite clever. Yeah. Do you want to say that? It's quite clever. Well, it was. But, unfortunately, in the very same story, Michael inadvertently created a similar problem. (laughs) You may have noticed that during the second season, the Alphans started referring to Xenia Merton's character as San, short for Sandra, Mm -hmm. obviously, Mm. unless you're Michael Butterworth, in which case San was an Indian man who sometimes filled in for Sandra. Oopsie! <sighs> oh, right. Yes. yes. That's unfortunate. Now, going back to Mark, you might think oh, yes. that uh, death would have taken care of him, but no. Death didn't stop Mark McKinlock slash Mackinlock <laughs> because Mark soon turned up yet again in Germany, of all places. <laughs> what on earth I is going know. on? I know. It's weird, isn't it? Evidently, the six novelizations of the second season were so popular in, in Germany that they were followed up with a line of six more original Space 1999 novels published only in German which once again featured Mark as an eagle pilot, wow. despite the fact that, you know, he'd been killed off several several novels ago. Yeah. So for a character who never existed, on television anyway, <laughs> and died in the books at least once, Mark McKinlock slash Mackinlock had an interesting career in print as Moonbase Alpha's chief eagle pilot. Wow. Gosh, now if you're interested in those German Space 1999 or uh, Mond Station 1999, but obviously 1999 in German uh, novels, you can find them on eBay. And they were also reprinted in late 2019, but unfortunately have never had an official release in English, which is a shame because the final book actually concludes the series. Really? Yeah. However, if you do fancy reading them in English, you can find uh, more info on a fan translated version at monstation.space1999.net. That's M-O-N-D station.space1999.net. There you go. But, I mean, that's I'm going to have a look because I want to know how it ends. You mean there's an end story for Space 1999? Yes, and they all die of old age. No, that, oh. that's not it. That's not it. I'm being. I mean, I'm assuming they find a new home. Well, one would hope, but you never know. Yeah. I mean, unless you're German no. and you've read the book and then you do know. Uh, do email us in. Yes. Uh, podcast at jerryanderson.de. I mean, uh, .com. Uh, yeah, we'd love to. Right. We'd love to hear from you if you know uh, the answer there. Gosh, Gosh, that was quite a chunky old fab fact, wasn't it? Yeah, all for a, a character that never actually really existed, but then he did exist, and then he died, and then he came back to life, and then he died again. And then he referred to another character that didn't exist <laughs> due to a misunderstanding. Good, it's me. <laughs> wow, I like it. Oh well, there we go. I mean, uh, any yeah, uh, Space well Nineteen Ninety Nine? Uh, no, Space. Uh, any Space Precinct characters uh, that did the same sort of thing that you know of? God, no, I have no, no, I don't, I can't. I mean, I have, to be honest, I haven't read the books. What? I know, I know. Imagine. Goodness me. Oh well. I mean, I've written a few. 
Uh, that is As true. You know. You've written several. But uh, yeah, but no, I haven't, I haven't read the David Bischoff. Let us know if you've uh, read any of the space freezing novels. I think there are three in all. Mm. Seb Bird, I know, I think uh, has, has read at least one of them. Uh, do let us know. Uh, podcast at jerryanderson.com and give us your review yes. of the space precinct novel. That'd be very interesting. Yeah, your to rating hear. and review, we'd love to hear that. That's right. Anyway, yeah. Richard, I am totally knackered by that fab fact, so I think it's probably time we bring it are. to an end. That is the end of this week's. Mark McFact McFact <laughs> Mark McFact Mark MacFact Oh I've gone Mac mad fact. Mac oh. It's the Mac Factor. No oh. that's wrong as well oh. oh well there we are That's very good That was a very long one But I, that was possibly a, One of the more interesting Fab facts Jamie so well done <laughs> oh, Because it was the longest You said I can only bring A certain <laughs> level of interest So the longer yes. The better Exactly. Thanks. Uh, now, just before we head to the Jerry Anderson news, uh, we're going to head on over to our Facebook group, uh, where I ask people the stuff that they were looking forward to and uh, why they enjoy being a podster on and so on. Neil Robert Holloway says, uh, I just love being part of this wonderful and friendly group. And thanks to you, Richard, Jamie and Chris for the podcast each week. Gary Hodgkinson says, I've not listened to any of the new audios, but I'm certainly looking forward to the documentary. As for the concert in April, tis doubtful. Oh, oh, sorry to hear that. It's a shame. It's a shame. It? Yeah. Alex Pass says, I'm loving the audiobooks and the full cast audio dramas. I'm looking forward to Thunderbirds, Peril in Peru, and Space 1999 Earthbound. Mm. Yes. Uh, Raymond John Hunt. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Raymond John Hunt uh, loves being a member of the Andiverse with like-minded people. And this is a lovely one from Douglas who says, I love how alive this franchise is after 60 years and still everything being released is such high quality. Having said that, oh. says Douglas, some aspects seem to be stagnant, too much stuck in the past. An example of where that is going right is the new voices being used for the audiobooks. But I'm also sad that there aren't more new stories or anything set after Thunderbird 6 or maybe any form of official conclusion to the original Captain Scarlet, maybe in audio form. Anything that would go forward into new territory, but still a great community to be in and always nice to see so much new art and new audio-visual productions made with tremendous skill and full of love for the source material. So that's an interesting point, isn't it? Of course, you know, much of the uh, uh, allure of, the, of these productions is sort of nostalgic yeah. uh, value. But there's Douglas saying, well, can we have some more? Can we have, like, new, maybe an ending to the original Captain Scarlet? Would such a thing ever be possible? Well, the problem with ending something is, um, well, then you can't do any more. That's it. Uh, which is yeah, why people true. are always yeah. nervous of those things. Uh, but, I mean, there's yeah. always ways to fill in stories and stuff. I mean, I'm very keen that we, we start creating some new stories and stuff soon. And in fact, we mm. kind of have, uh, in partnership with Network for their Blu-ray, um, the Cloud of a Billion Lights story, which is uh, yeah. a new Fireball XL5 adventure, if you've got that set. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, I'm very keen that we do that. It's all down to licensing and what ITV are happy for us yeah. to do. But, I, you know, ITV are very supportive of the, the stuff that we do. And we work very, very hard to make sure it is authentic and that fans love it. So, fingers crossed yeah. for um, more expansive stuff in the future. Yeah, that's great. And good, of course, there that uh, Douglas gives a nod to the uh, the new voices yes, being used for the audio. They are brilliant. They great, are all isn't brilliant. It? Does it feel like a sort of the next generation in a sense, or does it feel like a continuation? I think of, it feels of, like a continuation. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to kind of uh, approach it with open arms and open ears um, yeah. to sort of let those new voices wash over you and become part of the fabric. But, it, you know, I think it happens really quickly and lots of people have said the same. So, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and finally for now, Martin Smith posted, uh, I always look forward to new merchandise being released. I'm certainly looking forward to the Alpha Tech uh, Operations Manual. Oh, yes. I do enjoy the audio adventures much more 
than I thought I would. Oh, interesting. Uh, they're very well made, yep, and add more depth to the characters and storylines. Unfortunately, the date of the concert falls around my anniversary, so I don't think my wife would appreciate me leaving her. She doesn't share my fondness of the shows as I do, though I am trying. It's a work in progress. The podcast is great, a fantastic effort by you and Jamie and, of course, everyone else who makes it possible. Thanks for all you do uh, from Martin Smith. So, Jamie, did you not consult with Martin about when uh, his anniversary might be and not to... Uh, you know, Actually, clash Martin's, with the Martin's concert. wife told yep. us to do it uh, then. Oh, right. That's a bit awkward. That is a bit awkward, yeah. Ouch. But there we are. <clears throat> More comments later on from our lovely Podstrons. But in the meantime, uh, don't forget to subscribe to us on whichever platform you're listening to us on. You can also leave us a rating or a review and let the world know what you think of us. And uh, why not copy the link to all your social media profiles so your friends can listen too. And get a tattoo of it. Yeah, and that's well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as long as you are old enough to do so or you've got permission from the bill payer. Uh, <laughs> just in case, I don't want to get in trouble there. Yes, uh, now, Richard James, right. would you like some yeah. Jerry Anderson news? Oh, yes, please. Well, that's lucky, because whether you like it or not, it's the Jerry Anderson news. Hooray! Jerry Anderson news 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 is upon us news 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 and uh, <laughs> to begin hmm? this uh, smorgasbord of news we'll <gasps> begin with this yes it's the Jerry Anderson news so let's start with all these colour things that are going on I'm specifically talking about networks amazing Jerry Anderson presents you've never seen these uh, a live stream coming up this Thursday the twenty fifth that's amazing. In colour at last. Starting at 6.30pm UK time. Uh, it's a free live stream that you can get worldwide from watch.networkonair.com. Ah, oh, looking forward to that. Register there in good time. It's only going to play out once. It will never be repeated. So make sure you are there and follow along the hashtags. I think Jerry Anderson and uh, YNST. Um, more details from networkonair.com. Did you see Children in Need? Did you see Zelda playing the guitar? I mean, that has to be my favourite thing I've seen this year. Oh, yes. The puppets were involved in Children in Need special this year for the BBC, uh, including Scarlet and Blue from Captain Scarlet, Virgil and Scott playing the piano, and uh, Zelda rocking out on the guitar. It was rather glorious, and I'm sure you can catch it on the iPlayer, and also on social media. If you're a Space 1999 fan, of course, the red and purple sleeve variants of the cosplay top are now here. That's fantastic. And uh, they should be shipping later this week. So if you've pre-ordered one, it will be with you very, very soon. Great. Also, for those of you who were uh, very excited by our Space 1999 technical manual, uh -huh. we've sent out a tech manual survey. We would love to know which one you'd like to see next. If you're on the Jerry Anderson newsletter, then you will have received an email. And you can choose between Stingray, UFO and Thunderbirds. We'd love to know your thoughts. Thousands of you have responded already, and uh, that will help us make a decision about which publication we tackle next. Interesting. Head over to YouTube and check out our latest Tech Talk from AC and John Colshaw. And lastly, we just wanted to pay tribute to our late friend David Nightingale, longtime friend of the family, uh, the man behind Thunderbooks and the Supermarination is Go publications of the 80s and 90s. David was a huge supporter of everything Anderson, a long, long time family friend, and uh, we're very sad to hear that he's passed away, so we pass on our condolences and best wishes to Yvonne and David's friends and family. Anyway, there we go. Uh, can't always end on a high note. Very sad stuff there, but we'll be back 
next week with hopefully brighter news. Uh, and until then, that's the end of this week's Jerry Anderson News. That was the news. Very exciting news. Well, I, for one, am utterly thrilled about that uh, upcoming stream. Uh, it's yes. only three days away now. Whoa. And you're going to be able to experience two previously only black and white episodes in colour. I mean, uh, core. Yeah. I know, that is extraordinary, Just, isn't it? Yeah, so clever clever chaps at Network. And uh, as we mentioned before, these things are, are so frighteningly expensive. And they're yeah. giving it to us for free to enjoy yeah. as a stream all together. Across, oh, I just, How you know. lucky are we? That's brilliant. Yes, thank well you, done. Team Network. Really appreciate yeah. it. Nice. Great. Well, what a bumper crop of news. Uh, now, I'm going to head back on over to our Facebook group just before we head to uh, the second part of Jamie's interview with uh, Nick Abadzis mm. and uh, Chris Dale's amazing randomizer what's he doing now oh i think he's look he's climbed into bed now and uh, he's just snuffing out his candle and drawing the curtains around his bed so he's obviously well i hope he's going to wake up in time for the randomizer a bit later on we shall see now rebecca andrews posted on our facebook group hi richard jamie and chris please pass on my thanks to all involved as my copy of operation ice cap has arrived and it's brilliant Hurrah. thank you so much uh, looking forward to both the new documentary and next year's concert it'll be great to have a podders meet up mm. many thanks once again yes of course that's the thing we haven't really spoken about this the concert's going to be amazing of course but also perhaps the opportunity for the first time in a good few months for many of us to, to get together in the flesh absolutely and hopefully yeah. to do maybe even a live podcast we hope yeah. we're still working on uh, arrangements for that but it is some time away but very good yeah stay tuned dave munns posted tickets booked for standby for action uh, i'm loving uh, yeah loving the reprinted books and adapted audios stingray is spot on as an ander fan i'm looking forward to the documentary as well all these years later and still being treated to new endeavors just a shame i can't make it to see the setup at mcm birmingham but there truly is brand new jerry anderson media being made right now absolutely oh, in fact change good, stuff to media there to sound yeah, more yeah, um, like that. yeah yeah more um, technical mm, technological yeah uh steve andy rogers says the new audio range is awesome and long may it continue the upcoming documentary sounds like it'll be the most insightful look into jerry anderson's incredible life and career well can i just say i've been watching some assemblies of it this morning and oh, yes. um gosh Yes, wow. you are. I know I've said it before, but you're going to watch Anderson stuff in, in a new light through a new lens um, yeah. once you discover just how deep the sort of the veins of inspiration run. It's Amazing. quite something. So something yeah. to look forward to for next year. Great. Uh, Steve continues, tickets for the concert were bought on the day of release. Thanks, and Steve. Be a, be a highlight of 2022. Finally, being a part of this group is amazing. The support and countless kind words and condolences I received after announcing the tragic loss of my cat, Logan. Ah, yes. And the brief suspension of polls was overwhelming and so kind. This has to be the most supportive and positive group on Facebook and long may it remain so. And finally, for now... Stuart James Lusher says, I love being part of this amazing group and get to enjoy listening to the podcast every week before going to work and meet great friends. It's just wonderful to be here. Ah, well, lovely. So say all of us. Yeah, yeah well nice, done, gang, it? for keeping it so lovely. Yeah. So I'll be reading out a few more of those, of course, a bit later on. Oh, OK. Yeah. Well, I look forward to those things. I mean, I can continue now. No, no, one, it's fine, because we've got to get to Nick Abanz's yeah. part too, haven't That's we? That's right. Exactly, yeah. Uh, well, in that case, I mean, there's nothing else for me to say other than Nick was brilliant last week. He has amazing face furniture. Uh, you can't mm. hear that on audio, but imagine it as he's speaking. This, you know, majestic moustache and uh, uh, beardy mm. arrangement thing. Anyway, look, it's Nick Abanz's. He's back. <laughs> Here's part two of two.
can you see a sort of through line from UFO to Space 1999 of it, of Century 21 and Group 3 finding their feet in the live action space? I mean, I'll sort of all cards on the table here. Mm. I, I, I absolutely love Space 1999. It's definitely one of my, it hit me at exactly the right age. I think I was nine years old when it first transmitted and yeah. um you know i and I, I i watched doctor who i was watching tom baker's doctor who and then i didn't i didn't re- because the london region scheduled them opposite each other yeah and i didn't know i remember looking at it and thinking oh that that's on at the same time so i've got to choose and hating them <laughs> having to choose and then switching over at the end of doctor who and i guess it must have been the first episode it must have been breakaway mm. And it really hit me between the eyes. I, I, I was blown away by it. And I didn't know at that stage, I, I remember seeing on the end credits, oh, Jerry Anderson. Ah, right. And I recognized Barry Gray's music. Yeah. Stylistically, I was like, I know that this is, I've seen something like this before, but it's different again. And so the first season of Space 1999 has, my memory of it is switching over after Doctor Who finished, because my loyalty was there first. And then they moved it shortly after they, I don't know how many episodes they ran, but they moved it to Saturday mornings instead, which was great for me mm. because I could watch, then watch both. But it was completely, it was absolutely the wrong place to put it. Yeah. London region, because it was this very eerie, strange show. Yeah. You know, full of, you know, grand kind of philosophical intent and um, a, a, a very weird premise. And really about a bunch of survivors having to kind of deal with the great unknown. Yeah. And it had this sense about it, which I think um, it's that phrase coined by Arthur C. Clarke of cosmic sorrow. And I I just thought that perfectly described space year one of space 1999. You know, it's, it's this group of people who there's no connection to earth anymore. There's no going back. They just have to survive. Yeah. And they are surviving in this very strange and inhospitable universe. And I don't think I've ever seen another show that really adequately captures the sense of hugeness, mm. the alien quality of, of what might be out there better than that first season of the show. And, um, yeah, I know what you mean. It, it, it's, I've been reminded recently, I've been reading a couple of Andy Weir books. Right. There's in the, the Martian, and I'm, yeah. I'm reading... Uh, Project Hail Mary currently, which both of them have those qualities of isolation, the vast, the vastness of space, the distance from Earth, the loneliness, and the surviving against all odds. But that, yeah, that's the only other place you kind of feel a similar tone, really. Apart from Clark, I mean, the guy who kind of encapsulates that for me. Do you have you ever have you ever read any Stephen Baxter? Yes. Uh, yeah, and I, I I like his stuff a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was really good at actually kind of giving you a sense of scope mm. in his books as well. And but I, TV shows, Star Trek, you know, they were kind of they've got warp speed. Got it doesn't. Yeah, speed. you don't feel isolated and and lonely and and cut off any any anyway. Really, not uh, not in the same way. And yeah. everything was very kind of all the aliens you'd encounter kind of had this sort of faintly Californian. Um, set of principles <laughs> about them. Um, sorry, <laughs> something I observe 
quite acutely living here. Uh, understandable. But it, I mean, it's not just about the the philosophical side that hooks you. I'm I'm sure that um, uh, maybe some hardware may have appealed to you, possibly. So yeah, the other story is before the show even aired, and I can remember this very very clearly. Going into a, there was a toy shop, a toy a franchise called Youngsters mm. um, in the in London. Anyway, I don't know whether it was all over the UK in those days. And there was a my local branch was Hounslow. And I went in there one day and they had they had all these little green spaceships and it said from space nineteen ninety-nine <laughs> and I didn't have enough pocket money for it. Oh. And, I could, and I remember looking at this thing and there was a green one and a white one. And they were made by Dinky. And I can't remember what it said on the packaging, but I think I intuited that this was from some new forthcoming Jerry Anderson show. <laughs> and and I, I kid you not, sadly, I mean, and this is embarrassing to say, but it was literally love at first sight. I, I, that, there's something about the design of, of the eagle just, and that was my, the first time I'd seen it, that little die-cast metal and plastic, overly colourful version of the eagle. And then, of course, when I saw it on screen, it's like, yeah, it's like the Interceptors. They, they've done it green, but it's white. <laughs> <laughs> they've done it metallic green. But it, I loved it. And I, I fought an awful lot over time, especially because I've had to write a bunch of articles for Eagle Moss, introducing the, you know, the, the eagle they're putting out there. Why do I love it? Why did it hit me that way when there were other, you know, there was the Enterprise. That's a fantastic design, an immortal design, really. Mm. There were so many other Anderson craft. The, the, in my head, the nearest kind of, in terms of perfection, in terms of design that I can think of is Thunderbird 2. Yes, absolutely. They're Just, always up against each other. Yeah. There's something kind of incredibly iconic and instantly recognize. You recognize everything about them from their silhouette, from any angle. They look fantastic. They're just fantastic pieces, very believable pieces of design. Yeah. It looks like a real thing. It looks like it could, if not fly in the Earth's atmosphere, then definitely on the moon. Yeah. It's got that utilitarian thing about it and the girder work and the four pods and the beak. And the other thing that I think think that is incredibly appealing about the eagle is it's got a face. You look at it from a certain angle. You know, it's kind of landing. It's kind of got a mouth and the upper kind of, vision port the it it looks like an eye yeah from the front you know it just there's something very friendly about it even though it's um a spaceship it's a ridiculous thing to say but as a cartoonist you know i'm, I'm often kind of boiling things down to code to yeah. a kind of specific visual code and the guy that really captured that was john m burns when he first started drawing the um the look in comic strip of uh, Space 1999. Mm. And he drew these really over the top. He was not a kind of hardware guy. You could tell that he got maybe a little bit impatient with having to draw a kind of piece of hardware like an eagle transporter. And he drew these very kind of cartoony, stretched out eagles. But he always kind of really exaggerated the, um, you know, the, the black viewing port at the, at the front of the beak. And this sort of stuck in my head. I was thinking that's a fantastic piece of design. I didn't know that it was designed by Brian Johnson at that stage. It was just, 
my sort of visceral reaction to it. Yeah, you know, as a couldn't help it. Yeah, and, and 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 then on the show itself, watching them all being blown to smithereens in the first episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. Yeah, was wonderful, really cool. But wonderful, but maybe heartbreaking at the same at the same time. I mean, I'm I'm staring at my eagle now, and it, there are some there are some similarities of styling in some ways between Thunderbird Two and and an eagle. You know. It's, the, the sweep of the nose cone, but particularly yeah. the modular aspect of the, you know, the pod carrying element. Do you think that that is, a, that is part of it or is that coincidence that the two most iconic Anderson vehicles are pod bearing? I, that's a really, really good point. And the sense of utility is important, definitely. Mm. For little kids, I think. And I'm, I don't know whether that was deliberate on Brian Johnson's part or... You know, for, I mean, Derek Meddings had a very specific brief, I guess. I think but, it was Derek. Derek came up with the pod idea. I mean, you know, I think Thunderbird Two was briefed as a, a vast, you know, yeah. uh, equipment carrier, and and it was, uh, you know, Derek's decision to go. Uh, okay, different pods. Why not? Which it, is it wasn't amazing. That I mean, it's, I'm, I'm, I, I, that's the other. I mean, that's one of the other kind of great designs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wasn't the Eagle called the modular transportation unit before they decided to go with Eagle? That sounds mm. right, as MTU, yes. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And so so they were obviously, you know... The modular thing was clearly yeah, built in day one. But yeah, I mean, if you're a little kid and you get to switch out the pods and Dinky recognised that straight off the bat and bought yeah. that, the freighter version and the transporter version. And, you know, that was must have it was they, they really kind of knew how to get into little kids minds and indeed adult collectors minds wow so different way. your adult collectors uh, mind segue is very very neat because you know you mentioned the fact you've been writing the, the articles and stuff for, for eagle moss for their new range of eagles the, yeah. uh, by the time our, our podsterons hear this uh, eagle one will be out and and out in the world and but you've got um two more eagles coming up this year that's right. Yeah. First question is: Is it ever possible to put out too many eagles into the world? No. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to expand on that, Nick, or is that your final answer? <laughs> I think um, I kind of think the the, the the appeal of eagles. I mean, mm. Brian Johnson himself recognised this very very early on. Is is you have variants. And we all know the kind of, you know, the collector instinct is very big on variance. Oh, yes. I think the kind of, quite apart from the kind of classic, instant classic, basic shape of, a, of an eagle, just with, if you take the pod out and replace it with something else, you've instantly got another kind of appeal that you're going for. And that's that variant. Um, and even though there are only a kind of certain number was seen on screen in both seasons of the show, you know, there's a whole culture out there, a community of, yep. of eagle makers and collectors. Um, I'm not really a model maker. I kind of gave that up in my late teens, early 20s, I think. But I mean, I do have, I still have my hawk, you know, that I made when I was 16 or whatever. And it's the, the I, I guess the, var the variations on the designs that are so appealing. Mm. Yeah, there's a whole, you can have a whole fleet of these things. I, it, the, the difficulty is I don't think they ever kind of, I don't think Johnson himself even kind of did better than the Eagle and the Hawk. Mm. 
he did the Swift, and then there's the Altairies from Into Infinity, which I think yeah. Martin Bauer built as a assuming it was going to be on 1999. Yeah. So it's got those inset viewing ports and, at the front as well. So it looks like it's from the same lineage. Mm. But um, any of them are just, it's just, a, it's a sort of dovetail straight in. It's, in, it mainlines into that kind of child self where you kind of begin to kind of spin off your own adventures. Yes. Stimulates your own imagination. And I think that's a hugely important thing for, for kids and any storyteller, any adult storyteller. And that's what I'm, that's what, what I always tell my wife anyway. It's kind of like, no, I need another one because this one's slightly different. It's got a red stripe there. And she's like, yes, darling. Okay. <laughs> it goes straight upstairs into your studio. And, uh, She's very tolerant, very, very patient indeed. But, yeah. Um, well, I, I, I mean, I sympathise. Uh, again, uh, behind where you're talking to me from, I've got uh, seven TARDISes on a shelf there. I mean, that's an unnecessary number of TARDISes. It's a, it's a blue police box, but it's still, there you go, see, same boat. You, you sort of, it, just, it does naturally tap in. Because over the last couple of years, I've never seen so many eagles or yeah. all, you know, flying in at the same time. Yes. You've, you've got you've got MPC round two out in the US doing their eagle kits. We've had the sixteen twelve eagles. Yeah. Um, now we've got the eagle moss ones. I mean, there's that. You know, it's never been a better time to be an eagle enthusiast than right now. It's it's very strange considering this is a, a TV show that lasted for two seasons back yeah. in the mid seventies. <laughs> And yet there's this, you know, here we are in 2021 and there's this massive and and ever unfolding culture around this iconic spacecraft. And the weird thing is Space 1999 has never been rebooted. I mean, not not on TV anyway. Um, It's never, but it's kind of, in terms of recognisable spacecraft, it's up there with the Enterprise and the TARDIS and the X-Wing fighter and... All, all of these kind of other kind of, you know, things that have continued, other franchises that have continued. Yeah. And I kind of I think that's a, an amazing and marvellous thing. It's um, a testament to the show and the ship, isn't it, that, that that they've persisted when almost all those other things have had multiple, you know, reboots, reversions, revivals, yeah. whereas space, I mean, you can watch it on the Horror Channel in the UK currently. Right. So is it enjoying a, a resurgence of interest? A little bit of a resurgence, yeah. And, you know, things like our, our Moonbase Alpha Technical Operations Manual, which is kind of coming out very, very soon, that's fed by, you know, people constantly asking, oh, could you do this? Is it, you know, they want yeah. their sort of an, an insatiable appetite for more, which is really awesome. That is fantastic. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, I obviously I've collected the... 1612 equals since they were product enterprise mm. and um i've got all the kits unmade in boxes um, <laughs> idea, I'll, I'll make them one day or outsource them to somebody to get them to make them for me so i've got <laughs> some, every, every kind of eagle you've probably got enough to do nick without that um <laughs> before before we wrap things up and uh and i'll give you the opportunity to plug anything nick just on the um on the eagle moss front with those eagles what what is your involvement with them and what have you been doing to research and put forward your point of view on those things i'm i'm really just a cheerleader i didn't have anything to do with the uh uh the the actual process i was involved by um richard jackson who's an editor at eagle moss who knows 
that I'm a gigantic Space 1999 fan. And I, I actually went to him saying, Oi, you know, you do loads of print stuff as well. What about, you could you could collect the look-in strips. That's never been done. And they're done by two gods of British comics, John mm. M. Burns and Mike Noble. There's all sorts of things you could do. And he said, he, crumb, he said, oh, well, Ben's finally crumbled. They've decided to do some, some eagles from Space 1999. Which ones would you advise that we do? And all the ones I advised that they did, they didn't do. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I'm not sure why. But because uh, um, I said, well, you know, you can you can do the basic transporter, and then you could just there's a some you could do a red stripe version of that, and then you kind of got the the medical pod as well, um, the rescue pod. So you got two right there, and then uh, you could probably do, get away with doing the the lab version, and then you've just got they did do the lab. Yeah. But then to my surprise, when Rich showed me the you know the the templates for them, they they um one of the, the transporters suddenly growing the boosters from the episode New Adam, New Eve. And I was like, wow, that's only seen in one shot. That's cool. <laughs> okay. So, I, 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 yeah, I cheerleaded. I talked about it for a long time. I mean, that's, that was my job at Eagle Moss when I worked for them. I was a development editor, and I was always looking for licenses that we can do yeah. that would press forward with and, um, you know, would, would make the company money. And I always felt that a Jerry Anderson line of uh, – ships would be equal to different from but you know they've had a huge success with their star trek line and mm. they do all sorts of other ones now too like uh battlestar galactica and um and uh you know they do the doctor who figurines all those all kinds of things with alien and predator and and when they do the ships they do generally a really beautiful job um which is down to kind of uh, uh ben and his you know his his own research he's he's takes painstaking re research they don't always get everything right uh which i think i can say because i used to work for them and i'm an insider of sorts yeah but they do kind of go to great lengths to make the ships appear as they did on screen as good as possible yeah yeah and and so there i mean there's quite a lot of differences between this eagle moss eagle and say the 1612 or the um the, the mpc versions the NPC ones, of course, are mostly kits. You can buy the big ones as prefab versions as well, which are mm. beautiful. I've got one of those. And the 1612 ones, I'd hazard a guess, are more accurate overall. But the great thing about the Eagle Moss ones is they do look how they looked on screen. Yeah. And so they're kind of, they don't have – they're kind of slightly grayer. They have that kind of gray – quality. It's less – when you look at the miniatures themselves, they've kind of got a kind of – it's that four diamond white – creamy quality mm. and um these ones are sort of slightly grayer the paint apps are really nice mm. and it is one of the things we caught when they showed me the photos i said oh the leg struts are on backwards and i'm like what i said no no you've got to turn them around the other way so they they, they caught that and i said yeah but itv said that was fine i said no no they honestly trust me they're on backwards they're supposed to be this way yeah well caught but um but they're lovely little things, and um, I mean, for what they are and, and what they cost, you know, they're uh, for if, if anybody kind of wanting a decent eagle eagle replica. I think they're really they're really nice. Yeah, and they're in a much more affordable range than the um, sixteen twelve ones, so, Definitely. which are lovely. But not everyone can afford those. So um, yeah, it's the most affordable eagle in the last twenty years, I would think. Certainly, yeah. And um, I mean, they've sent me one of the 
the pod ones because I knew that was my favourite, which I know your listeners can't see, but I'm holding it up and admiring it. Orange livery and thinking, well, I've never had one of those. Yeah. And as an eagle variant goes, it's a lovely thing. And it's and the other thing is, it's a kind of um, they've sort of um, they put together an eagle that is, if you know anything about the studio miniatures, there's eagle one, eagle two, and eagle three, in um, you know, in terms of the uh, the big forty four inch miniatures, and they've sort of amalgamated the details of all three of those. Yeah, the sort of uh, a super eagle um, blended. Yeah, blended, blended eagle. Yeah. So well, yeah, long, yeah. long may it continue. Hopefully, they do well, and uh, Eagle Moss will continue doing more Eagles and more Anderson stuff in general. Because fingers crossed, I want more toys. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick, I see our time ticking away. So, before I let you disappear, is there anything that you're working on that might appeal to our lovely podstroms or anywhere they can follow you online on on social media, etc.? Um, at the moment, um, yeah, they can follow online. I'm on Twitter. Just at Nickabadzis. I'm easy to find in terms of website because it's nickabadzis.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram, which yep. is just Nickabadzis Art, which is basically a collection of uh, old, old comic strip pages, new comic strip pages, um, stuff I've written for other people, Doctor Who. There's actually a couple of Anderson pieces up on there, which I'll, I'll show you when we finish. Lovely. Um, you know, just fan art, that kind of thing. Uh, that it all feeds into the the Abadzis verse, if you like. Um, <laughs> it's all part of it. Um, nice. You know, my my my, my influences are, and the things I admire are kind of are very much a kind of part of my my ongoing uh, career as a as a um, comics person. But the thing I'm actually working on at the moment is a, a VR animation, as I mentioned at the beginning, which is going to should premiere at the London Film Festival in October. And it's going to go on a tour of the UK, and it's it's directed by Asif Kapadia, and it's co-written by him and me, and I'm an art director on it. So we're trying to do it. We don't have much money to do it, but it's all it's supposed to be a an, uh, to show what VR animation is capable of, what it can do in terms of drama, um, and it's very very loosely based on my graphic novel um, with. Um, Got lots of you know some fantastic animators. Passion Animation Studios have done it. Who've done a lot of Doctor Who stuff. Yeah, they did a Thirteenth Doctor adventure fairly recently. I think that came out early last year uh, with Jodie Whittaker as the Thirteenth Doctor. Yeah, they've done lots of stuff to do with you know for the BBC in the past. Um, so there's a there's a whole sort of connection via that, and that's that's really the thing that I'm in the in the midst of right now. Yeah. That's, keeping you out of trouble drink yeah <laughs> drinking up time not going out and staying out too late anything like that <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear it, yeah keeping you out of trouble and keeping you in eagles <laughs> certainly um <laughs> thank you thank you for having me on jamie it's been an honor I, I, as you know i'm a huge fan of your dad and everything that you're doing now with with jerry anson.co.uk it, it it's Lovely to see your dad's legacy and all of those fantastic people who worked at, you know, Century 21 on APF still being celebrated. It's a big deal. And um, thank you. Thanks, Nick. Really appreciate it. And thanks for coming. Uh, go and follow Nick on Twitter right now. Nick Abanzis. Uh Nick, I'll hopefully speak to you again soon. Cheers. Thanks. 
Thank you, Nick. Lovely Nick. Make sure you go and thank him for his fantastic contribution to this podcast at Nickabadzis on Twitter. That's uh, N-I-C-K-A-B-A-D-Z-I-S uh, on Twitter or nickabadzis.com, spelt in the same way. Mm. <laughs> uh, now I'm sure we'd uh, love to see Nick at an event somewhere, but unfortunately he's in yes. America, so uh, um, not likely for now. But uh, you enough. know, a, a Brit in New York, an Englishman in yeah. New York, one should say. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, now, actually, while uh, we've listened to that uh, second part of that interview, there, Jamie, mm. I did. You see, Chris is still snoring over there. Yes. I snuck over to see what he was writing, and look, I've got the bit of paper. Oh yes. Here. Yeah, and I think it's. Uh, I think it's. Uh, it's a Christmas present wish list, look. Oh. Look, bless him. Look, he's written down what he wants for Christmas. TARDIS egg cup. Yeah, Fair yeah, enough. that's right. I mean, Dalek play suit. Yeah, right. Yeah, that'd be nice. I think I could There's, probably get him that. Hang on, I'm yeah. already t- detecting a little bit of a flavour here. You think? What's that there? John Pertwee fun fur wig. Oh, gosh. And velvet jacket there. Yeah, I see. I feel like Chris is a bit maybe... He's in the wrong podcast, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Chris, if you're that obsessed with Doctor Who, then, you know. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Build. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Anyway, uh, well, we'll leave that there, I think. Uh, now, over on our Facebook group, uh, people have been uh, commenting because I asked them what uh, they enjoyed about being a Podstron and what things they were looking forward to in the future. Miles Parrish uh, posted, I'm loving the audios and I'm very excited for the documentary. I can't make the concert as I'm down under in Australia, but with any luck, it won't be the last one ever done, so I'll get a chance one day. I've said before how much I love and appreciate the podcast. Without it, I'd still be listening to the same music every day when driving around instead of broadening my horizon with all the podcasts I've discovered in the wake of this one. I love the podcast Facebook group. It's one of the only reasons I still have Facebook. Thanks to the podcasters three, Louise and Tim and all at Anderson Entertainment and of course the wonderful Podsterons. Paul Hyde says, uh, had my Stingray story come today and I'm looking forward to Five Star Five and the calendar arriving very soon. Uh, Yes, he says I've got tickets for the concert and I can't wait for that and who the special guests are. Ah, yes, you're going to love them. Uh, and <laughs> and you're going to love what they do as well. That's uh, that's all I should ah. say. Yeah, I feel like I'm giving uh, away too one much. One other thing. Yeah, probably. After talking to the Podders Arms members, it's been decided that there should be a Podder of the Year. If you have a nomination, then please put it on the Facebook group or send it to the podcast. Okay, at podcast at jerryanderson.com. I have a lot, starting with Willow Lambden Smith for her hard work keeping the Zoom going every week, and Luna Svensson for providing the Zoom. Tony for all his hard work doing the Podders merch merch. Simon, aka the Pun Man, for his funny videos and keeping us entertained. Jenny Davis for being so helpful and caring. Doug Morris for his help when I needed it. Great man. Lauren J. Gradwell for being a brilliant potter. And finally, Rob, his fun and being again a brilliant potter. The nominations will be considered and the result will be read out on the last pod of the year. Okay, uh, this is for fun, but the title is worth having. All right, Paul, I'll be up for that. Let's try and nominate a podder of the year, shall we? And uh, yes, I'll read out the winner uh, in the last podcast of 2021. Nice. Fun, won't it? Yeah. Gosh, that's not uh, long, and- you know. I know, I know. So they've what, got about eight weeks or so, six uh, weeks? Less. Seven five weeks. Five well, weeks. Yes. <gasps> Crikey. Hmm. Right, come on. Podder of the year. Get to it. And finally for now, Stephen Carson says, I enjoyed the recent new Thunderbirds audio adventure, and I'm looking forward to the Space 1999 technical manual and UFO comic collection for oh, my yes. Christmas presents. He says, the concert sounds great, although it'll be closer to the date before I can decide whether I'm confident enough to travel down from Scotland. Yes, Stephen, quite understand. Uh, he says, hoping it'll be streamed or released 
release on Blu-ray or DVD afterwards would be a great alternative if Podstrons are unable to attend or indeed a fantastic souvenir. What about it, Jamie, says Stephen? Uh, we'll do our best and we're looking at options for that kind of thing. Yeah. But... Uh... Yeah, it's uh, it is like you say a little a little way away yet, so we need to yes, see. Yes, yes, quite. There we are. Yeah, great. Uh, I'll have a few more after the randomizer, but that's it for now. Lovely stuff. Well, yeah. thank you, uh, Podstrons, for all of your lovely words and kind yeah. messages and stuff. Now, Chris has uh, woken from his slumber. I don't oh, know if it was real goodness. or if it was acted slumber. Oh, I see. Uh, Getting into character, and he can see that we've uh, fiddled with his Christmas list. So I think he's a bit cross. Oh dear. Uh, so before he gets any oh, crosser, sorry. Chris, I think it's probably over to you yes. for the randomizer. Go and press your red, yes. big red button and watch Jerry Anderson random thing. Okay, goodbye, bye, bye. Sorry. Uh, glad to meet you at last, old boy. Uh, jolly nice of you to look me up like this, I must say. Not at all, Professor. It's very nice to meet you. Oh, uh, this is my assistant, Marina, by the way. Oh, delighted, I'm sure. Charming, charming. And we're delighted you agreed to help us out with the randomizer today. You bring it up and we'll have a look at it before lights out. Oh, uh, well, it's right here, actually. I mean, this is it. A jolly good show. Yes. So, um, if you would... Oh, jolly good luck. Well, this is the day of reckoning. The proof of the pudding is in the eating and all that. What, what, what? What? Oh, yes, well, as long as it's something good, I don't really mind what pudding we get. I mean, uh, oh, print out. What's the damage then, old boy? Well, as puddings go, it's a pretty good one. We're joining new Captain Scarlet today for the Achilles Messenger. I say. Come along, Marina. Oh, uh, bye, Professor. What an odd pair. Excitement too much for them, I suppose. Not used to it. So, welcome back to new Captain Scarlet on the randomizer with the Achilles Messenger. And we are starting in a very dark place indeed. Captain Scarlet, serial number S7002911160. Scarlet, who has got a very long identification code, is uh, Peter, but believe me, you'll talk. being interrogated. We're not even started with you yet, Scarlet. By what looks like uh, a chap in a Spectrum uniform and another guy who I'm sure I've seen as an extra on Cloudbase. But uh, Skybase, I've done it again. I did that the last time I did uh, New Captain Scarlet, didn't I? With um, serial number S Homecoming. Zero zero two nine one one six zero. But a hint there that Scarlet isn't alone. Oh, he's been thrown, thrown waffly to the floor. But what's this? He's noticed a, a nail on the floor. Gonna save that for later. Never know when you might need a nail. And thrown into solitary confinement. So, yeah. Yet another uh, rather uh, dark sequence for this uh, this show that went out on uh, Saturday morning kids slot in the middle of uh, a great big custard pie fight that was Ministry of Mayhem. Now we've got to find a way to get out of this place. Wake up, loser! I said wake up! Ooh, he's a hard man. He called him a loser. Hmm. And uh, if you're interested in my technical problems from last week, I think they might be resolved now. I say hopefully. If you start to hear some screaming, um, that could either be me or the microphone going, uh, for a good night going kiss, bad. Princess. Ugh. Your dreams, pal. Hey, a bit of uh, sexual intimidation. Paul, what? Because it's a it's a family show thing, isn't it? No time. But uh, yep, Scarlet's escaped. 
knocked out the guard, got into Destiny's cell because she was here too. Both of them look like they've been uh, beaten around quite a bit. Yeah, it's good. Uh, good Saturday morning kiddie fair. But we're now escaping from this uh, nice-looking house. Although with the, um, the the sort of CGI element, it does it does rather remind me a bit of uh, certain James Bond video games sneaking around uh, outside nice houses in, uh, in in the dark with a gun. And luckily, so much for a quiet exit. Someone left a motorbike here. Well, we'll have that. And I love that this this episode opens with something uh, in in progress in progress already that we are not uh, as as viewers we are not privy to. We don't know where Scarlet and Destiny are. We don't know why they are being tortured. We presume it's Mister Ons, but there's one or two hints that say it uh, it wasn't. And uh, it's it's just so so wonderful with this show to see it being so so daring that it can throw an opening like this at, at young viewers and just say you know if you're on board with this great if you're not on board with this doesn't matter we're doing this anyway um this motorbike chase which uh well scarlet and destiny have uh, eluded one of their two pursuers we're now on a farm hold on what else am i gonna do you could get off Oh, they're gonna go up the ramp and jump over a, a farmhouse. What do you think this is, a race course? Ooh. Guns? Well, how's this for a starting pistol? Hey, is that the same guy who was uh, oh. the farmer in uh, Instrument of Destruction Part 1? I think it might have been. Anyway, he's been scared off by uh, our remaining pursuer. Oh, no, he didn't get across the roof the same way Scarlet and Destiny did. He has fallen. So it looks like they're away and clear. Or are they? Again, with the with the CGI, you can see that really it's only the immediate area that's been rendered. The, the sort of hills and mountains in the distance, uh, not quite there. But for the time, this is still exceptionally impressive stuff. Unfortunately, Scarlet and Destiny have been stopped by a lady in a rhino. Captain Scarlet, what on earth do you think you're doing? Escaping? <laughs> So we are at uh, Castle Balneath, Scotland, Spectrum Training Base. Guys, an interrogation resistance, not evasion. You oh. weren't supposed to escape. So, supposed to stay in ourselves and get beaten up. Me, I'm supposed to ask permission before I break out. Is that what you're saying? Don't be facetious, Scarlet. I don't run this base for your amusement. Do you have any idea of the financial impact of your midnight joyride? Your people got sloppy. I saw that nail on the floor the second they took me in there tonight. It's your people that need the training, Miss Winters. <laughs> you so, are aware. Wait, Scarlet and Destiny are just there to be tortured, essentially. You are under psychological assessment. I can. Mm. Will be brought to Colonel White's attention. I, I, I don't quite get that. I mean, I can see why they would, why Scarlet would, would not volunteer, but would be okay with it. Three days being starved, beaten, and sleeping on a stone floor. Yeah. All I care about right now is a bed with clean sheets. Why would Destiny have to to put up with that? I'm amazed Destiny came along actually. Anyway, Scarlet's. Uh, yes. What is it? Given up. Tonight. Oh no. Not tonight. Well, Miss Winters has now left the castle. 
listening to some funky tunes on her car as she heads out into uh, into the darkness. And this is a nice, nice close-ups of the car. I think they realise by this point that if you've got a nice vehicle, you can hold on it in the the sort of exterior shots, and it doesn't matter so much about the the distant things. The the stuff in the foreground is really good. And there we go. Something happened there. She lost control of the car, crashed through a barrier, and uh, she dead. She dead. And and despite what I just said about the, the CGI being good, the water CGI is the you know car impacted and splashed everywhere. That. That. Yeah. We won't talk about that. We will talk about the fact that Miss Astrid Winters has been reconstructed as a Mistron, as has her car. Still with the same great tunes on the radio. And now she's gone back to the castle to sneak into Scarlet's bedroom with glowing green eyes. Of course. Oh, I was going to say he's too quick for her, but uh, no, he wasn't expecting that. Or that. Or that. He's not doing very well here, our boy. I'm not here to kill you, Scarlet. I've come to save you. You and your planet. Well, that's good, because you would have had him three times there. Destiny. Paul, what is it? I had a bad dream. Mistrons have evolved a hundred millennia beyond the human race. Ooh. To us, you're really nothing more than spores in a lab experiment. Look, if you only came here to insult us, I can blow a hole in you right now. <laughs> Let her talk, Destiny. I Destiny, put it down. That, nevertheless, in some ways we still have similarities. We no longer have bodies, but we are still individuals. And some of us don't believe in this war. Oh, I still remember the chill that went down my spine when I first heard that, and it's still there now, actually. That's just such a... One of those moments this show did where it just blows open the concept of the original series. Minute. Less than that. Perhaps one day you could be a danger to us, but equally, perhaps you will learn to suppress your primitive instincts? Our primitive instincts? You're the ones out to destroy us. I told you, not all of us. But our voice is a whisper against the rage of the Mr. Unconsciousness. So I was sent here. To do what? To tell you how to defeat the Mr. No one has yet raised the question of, hey, um, in coming here, did you murder Astrid Winters? Did you do that on purpose? Method of defeat might take. Did you kill one of our people? We might have some, uh, some issues with that. In person. Anyway. It's a trap. It has to be. Destiny has returned to Skybase. See, I got it right that time. It's a fascinating prospect. To share this information with Colonel White, Captain Blue, and in her first appearance, I believe, at least in broadcast order, Captain Oka. Opportunity to learn it. She has offered us something as proof of good faith. Oh, really? Like what? Nice to see her at the top table. Because um, she doesn't really get a, a proper introduction to the series as such. She's just suddenly there. Destroy the planet's entire scientific elite in a single strike. Yes, that's the latest Mistron plan that Astrid has relayed. Smokescreen, Colonel. The Mistrons wouldn't think twice about sacrificing an operation if it meant a chance to put a hole in Spectrum by killing you. Hmm. Yes. What does Scarlet think about her? Does he think she's telling the truth? <sighs> he thinks we can't ignore her. 
and that she didn't want us to communicate with Skybase by radio in case the Mysterons intercepted the message. That's why I'm here. She thinks there's every chance the Mysterons will find out what she's doing and come after her. If they do, it could mean we lose the only chance we have to win this war. On the plus side, I was looking at Lieutenant Green's board behind Destiny there, and for once it's not flashing engineering emergency, which it often does during uh, scenes where no one's supposed to be looking at it. So what happens in New York first? We could be running out of time already. I can't hide from them forever. You hear that? Hey, relax. Ooh. There are choppers flying here all the time, you know that. And this place is well guarded. Hmm. Unfortunately, I don't think we're about to see any evidence of those guards because here come a couple of... We have to get out of here. Mr. On attack helicopters. This is a wonderful scene. Again, it, it, it's wonderful that it shows the power of the Mistrons, as it influenced several times in the original series. Destiny went to, to Skybase to report, just in case they were monitoring communications. Ultimately, she could have used communications. The Mistrons still know where Astrid is. And now they've come for her. And this, oh, these shots of the, the helicopters over the castle just dropping dozens of presumably Mistronized troops in just this total black combat gear with the only only sign of life being the green Mistron energies showing through the goggles. Oh, they look so intimidating. Are you alright? If they catch me, you can't imagine what they'll do to me. Yeah. They better not catch you then. Come on. Yeah, I can't imagine what they'll do to you. So where are the, uh, the Spectrum personnel who we've already seen at this base? What are they up to at the moment? Do they know that Astrid is dead? Have they all gone home for tea? Yeah, it's it's um, one of the side effects of uh, a very short runtime for these episodes. Certain questions. Oh, those those Mistrons look so cool marching down the corridor. And oh yes, that shot. Scarlet shoots one, and it falls backwards, and we see the green in its eyes gradually fade as it dies. Oh, so much good stuff here. You think you can make it? Sure. Let's go. Yeah, we're just going to assume that uh, everybody in this castle, all the Spectrum agents, are either dead or didn't turn up for work or whatever. We're going to abandon them either way because we've got to get out of here. There's Mistrons about the place. Oh, Scarlet took a hit, and Astrid took down his shooter. But the Mistrons aren't doing too well here. Thanks. This body still retains some of Astrid Winters. Not too much, I hope. <laughs> because I hated that woman. She was abominable, and I'm glad she's dead. Well, what else are you supposed to read into that? Sort of like... Oh... That was a human life that got snuffed out. I mean, no matter what you thought of her... And to be fair, she wasn't a monster. She was just a person doing her job. So it is, it is quite surprising, the... The casual callousness, almost, of um, of the way the human Astrid's death it, it goes almost unacknowledged, except for that that little uh, little mention there. But we have to get on with the story. We've got potentially very big things on the go, and as Scarlet and Astrid race away in a rhino, Mistrons have taken another rhino. Again, it's a couple of these black-suited, green-eyed goons, and they're just 
brilliant. I think they only appear in this episode. But it's so so wonderful, this idea that the Mistrons can just turn up en masse like that. What are we going to do? Oh, we're going to turn around and face them. What are you doing? Giving this guy the fright of his Mistron life. Oh. Again, we're so close on the rhino here that you're not really focusing on, on the backgrounds as such anymore. It's just... Oh, who's going to blink first? Well, nobody. <laughs> they just crashed head on. Mistron flipped onto its back and... It's a bit Robot Wars there. Scarlet pushes the uh, Mistron rhino into the river. I'm Mistron, but I'm not indestructible. Like you, Scarlet. Now you tell me. Good job I didn't engage the self-destruct mechanism. Now what? We walk. Hmm. So meanwhile, in New York, at the, um, this is the World Science Conference, where the Mistrons say they're going to blow something up. There's nothing here. We've been through the whole building, top to bottom to top again. If there was a bomb here, the locator would find it. Ochre and Blue can't find anything. By what? The purification system. Ah, of course. The thing that we happen to be looking at at the moment we have this conversation. Can you see it? We got it. <laughs> Again, that was, what, five seconds? To go from where's the bomb to we found the bomb. According to my readings, it's going to blow in eight minutes. It's a complex double positive interface system. Even if we could get it out of there. There's no way I can defuse it in time. Yay, Captain Oka knows how to defuse bombs. She doesn't have the time to do it, so let's go to Blue's solution. Just rip the thing out with the helicopter. Fly it out over the bay. Time to grab a takeout on the way. Ah. And again, shots of New York here. Much like what I was saying about the, um, the exteriors of Scotland. We're just seeing enough to convince us. If you look into the, the background, the horizon, it's not... Um, it, it doesn't hold up quite that well, but, uh, ooh. What the? Yep. We've got company. The Mistrons have goons everywhere, and now Blue and Ochre have got some on their tail. But again, the, both helicopters and the buildings that they're flying past are so gorgeously rendered here. Some nice, nice attempts at traffic on the ground. It, it really does show how far this series had come by this point, compared to the similar scene with the is it the Sky Riders in uh, Instrument of Destruction Part 2? Oh, We took out we that Mr. On helicopter. And now we're flying out over the bay. Are we going to make it? Wow. Only just. Here's a very cool shot. Several very cool shots. As they slightly lose control of the helicopter and Blue wrestles it back and he just looks back at Ogre and winks and she smiles and it's like, okay, that's a good introduction to the character. If this is her introduction episode and it really isn't, but never mind, more important things to discuss. How's the arm? Huh. Aside from the arm. I live. I know. But tell me. How do you survive, Scarlet? The serious conversation music is playing. Don't understand. You're a Mr. On Human hybrid, Scarlet. How do you live with that? No, I'm human. The Mr. On's messed with me once, but that's just history. You're a human psyche in a body the Mr. On's built from retrometabolized matter. 
You're neither one species nor the other. But when this is over... It's nice as well that uh, they're having this conversation, and that puts the idea in Scarlet's head for the first time that he isn't fully human, which that again pops up again in what was the next broadcast episode to this, uh, Touch of the Reaper. Stop it. Oh, there's a goon, and there is Destiny the Goon Killer. She's taken out two of them. And here's an odd moment. Scarlet helps Astrid up. Destiny looks a bit like jealous. I got here just in time. But I'm not sure that that line reading is actually meant to reflect that. I mean, Destiny is, is always jealous about everything when it comes to Scarlet. But anyway, more important things are afoot again. As uh, Scarlet lands a helicopter on a roof of a, a building where Astrid can meet Colonel White. Probably best to get inside quickly, though. You never know who might be hanging around. White's well protected, but Astrid is a bit exposed. Miss Winters, I'm sorry about the circumstances, but I'm sure you'll understand why we don't meet on Skybase. You still don't trust me. Uh, you murdered one of my people. Say. Of course. No one's mentioning that, though. Oh! Well, one character we haven't seen in the story yet has just turned up. What is it, Astrid? Tell us. Oh. I can feel them. Don't let them get me, Scarlet. Don't let them. Stop! And there she was, gone. But who fired that shot? And has now got a clear line of sight on Scarlet and White. Oh, there he is. No, Scarlet. Not today. But one day, one day soon. Oh, and there we go. On, on first broadcast, that was the mid-season or mid-series finale or whatever of uh, of New Captain Scarlet, and that's a that's one of these episodes that um, kind of blows open the series a bit. The idea of the Mistron Rebels, this uh, faction against the War of Nerves. It's a it's a wonderful idea that I wish the series had had a, a proper chance to return to. But as it is a very strong episode of New Captain Scarlet, wonderful ideas being played with here. Just wish we had more like this. Oh, more, more New Captain Scarlet, please. Well, isn't it nice for New Captain Scarlet to get a bit of love on the pod? Oh, I love a bit of New Captain Scarlet. Dare I say I prefer it to the original? Is Ooh, that allowed? I mean, you can, can dare, I say you that? can dare to say what you yeah. like. <laughs> yeah, there you are. Well, I said it. It's out there. Yeah. No, I think I think you could be right. Is that certainly more like characterisation yeah. and stuff in there? Yes. Isn't there, so. Yeah. Yeah. I love Phil Ford's scripts as well as yeah, uh, clever Phil. Yeah. I think that's perhaps what it is. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, uh, if you, you want to hear some from Phil, you can go back to one of our early pods, yes. uh, maybe forty right. something where I had a lovely chat with Phil and he talked all about how they worked on Scarlet and stuff. I mean, there's an amazing array of interviews across our previous 179 Jerry Anderson podcast yeah. pods. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, go and go and have a listen if you haven't heard it, them, uh, if you're new or if you've forgotten them. I don't know. Go for it. Who hasn't been a guest on the Jerry Anderson podcast? Well, Chris Barry, Wendy Craig and Ross Kemp, I suppose. Yeah, but that's yeah. it. Everyone else has been that's on it. That's pretty, so. pretty much it. Uh, yeah, you're right. They now, have. next week, mm -hmm. I believe, yes. I've got an yep. exclusive interview uh, with oh, yes. director and producer of Jerry Anderson, The Life Uncharted, Benjamin Field. Um, <gasps> so How interesting. Ben and I are doing a three-parter telling you Great. all about what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're doing it, and what to expect from next year's Jerry Anton documentary. Really insightful stuff. 
you know, the whys and the hows, including yeah. the technical stuff about the deepfake. Fascinating. Sources yep. of interviews, who we've spoken to, who we haven't yeah. spoken to, all sorts of great stuff. So, yeah, I look forward to, to you guys hearing that and hearing how we're getting on. Oh, that's going to be really interesting. A sort of an insider's look at the, at the process. Uh, yeah, to a degree. We're, we're doing our best there. Um, yeah, and we good. reveal some stuff, I think, which you maybe don't know yet. So um, okay. listen in from Pod 181 for that. Great. Now, finally, I'm going to head back on over to our Facebook group for a couple of other posts. This one from oh, Ian yes. Stevens, who says, I loved the recent re-release of the Thunderbirds novel, Terror from the Stars, and I'm very much hoping to get Peril in Peru for Christmas, along with the UFO comic anthology that my mum has pre-ordered for me for Christmas. Oh, nice. I haven't yet branched into the audiobooks simply because I'm old-fashioned and prefer to read the novel, but one day I will give it a try. That's interesting, isn't it? Because I would have thought if you enjoyed the shows on TV, the first thing you'd want to do is listen to the audio. Yeah. It's interesting, it's a similar isn't it? sort of experience, yeah. Yeah, certainly but, with the, uh, the music and the sound effects and stuff. That's Definitely right. Definitely give it a go. And if you're, yeah, yeah. if you're without CD player, as I know many people are these days, then you can get the mm. digital version from bigfinish.com. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Ian continues, I love the podcast and I look forward to it every week. It's been a blessing for me, as has the whole Anderson universe, because it gives me an escape from what has been a very testing couple of years. I probably would have closed down Facebook by now, but it's this group that keeps me here. Such a friendly, supportive bunch. I can't imagine having got through recent troubles without them. Yeah, that's a familiar refrain, isn't it? People yeah. say, you know what? I almost left Facebook and this is the one group that kept me here. Facebook should be <laughs> should be paying the uh, the Posterons group uh, you know, a percentage yes. for keeping people on, right. on Facebook, really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, James Pilson Wood finally says, Hi all, I've just received a box full of the audio recordings and I can't can't wait to listen to them all. It's an amazing way to keep telling stories about characters we all know and love. I can't wait for standby for action. I have VIP tickets, so the meet and greets are something I'm very much looking forward to. And finally, being about to hear this music I grew up with and uh, it being played in the best quality that you can ask for in person. This community is one that cares. Everyone's very understanding and supportive, whether it's showing off drawings, fun ideas, quizzes, episode streams, but also support of each other on a more personal level. Uh, things have been tough for us all, and we banded together to get everyone through it. It'll be amazing being able to meet up with everyone again. And that's from James. Well, here, here, James. And I think that's just about it from our lovely, lovely Podstrons. Gosh, well, thank you, Podstrons. Really lovely of you all to take the time to write and say nice yeah. things and give us your feedback. We really do appreciate it. And as you can hear, we read them. We do These indeed. things do not yeah. fall on deaf ears and blind eyes, if that's a phrase. That's true probably not yeah anyway uh, yeah. but it does yeah. come out of dumb mouths uh, and that's yeah. what Rich and I are here to perform that uh, act anyway <laughs> uh, Richard James have you got anything else to add for the end of no, this one I think that'll do for now uh, just a quick reminder to send in your emails to podcast at jerryanderson.com uh, let us know what you think of the podcast let us know your favourite Jerry Anderson memory let us know uh, what the first thing it was that you watched and perhaps the last thing that you watched most let's recent first yeah first and last or yeah that'll do it's yeah. not to suggest that that's it you're gonna well, never last watch any more sounded a bit terminal that was my yes, only concern there, but... first and recent I don't know yeah you get the picture anyway send those. them in yeah, yeah. do that okay podcastjerryanderson.com yeah. but that's it I think we're yeah. there we're done yeah. pod 180 over see you next week for pod 181 and the start of uh, Ben Field and our chat about the Jerry Anderson documentary Jerry Anderson yeah. Life Uncharted great can't wait uh, see you next week no uh, speech you next week bye bye
Stage one complete. Let's go. Anyway, uh, yeah, the chat with Ben is going to be quite interesting. I'm sure it is. Because we reveal some, I think, some people we've spoken to and people we were unable to speak to. A couple of really Uh sad ones in there. Um, Uh Some things you might not know. I mean, now, what? did you uh, did you get everybody you wanted or was well, it not quite that easy? No, we did not. And that will all be revealed. No. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Some sad mm. stuff, some surprising stuff as to, to right. why people didn't or weren't able to contribute. It's oh, very interesting. Okay. Now, um, this yes. to me sounds like it's going to be a bit of a warts and all documentary. Is that fair to say? Yeah, 100%. Right. Yeah. So the first time we've sort of really approached Jerry as a man rather than as a kind of a, a TV legend. That is exactly it. Nice. This is a human story which everyone yep. can relate to because there will be things in his life that we're all familiar with and we all can say, gosh, I've been there. So, um, mm, yeah, great. but it's not all doom so, and gloom. There's, there's, some, there's some really lovely stuff in there, too. But you're, you're going you're gonna to learn a lot of things that you didn't know before. And when's the trailer out? Any minute now, uh, pro- really? Probably next week or sometime very soon. Okay. Yes, yeah, so there you go. You, wow. you heard it here first, unless it's already yes. out, and then you didn't need to hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then you saw it and then heard it. Yeah, that. Yeah, done. Mm. Anyway, oh well. Look forward to seeing you at the premiere next year. Yes, yes. I shall. Uh, I shall book the day off. Quite right too. I only need the evening though. So. Oh, oh. So I've still got the day to myself then. Yeah. Oh, fine. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely be there then. Okay. Good. Fine. See you in four months. <laughs> See you then. <laughs> Bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Wasn't it fun? You have been listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. <laughs>